Welcome to the 902 podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news cases and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in to the 902 podcast. I'm Captain John Vick, and in studio with me today, I have Sheriff Terry Wagner. Good afternoon. And Chief Deputy Ben Houchin. Hello. Appreciate you being here. We've got a special guest with us today to talk about election security, and that is Lancaster County Election Commissioner Todd Wilchin. Todd, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Um, Captain Vick, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys. So I wanted to give our audience just a little bit of insight into you know, who you are, where you came from. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, I've been a resident of Lincoln um, since the late 90s. I moved here after college um, at the time to work for uh, U.S. Senator Chuck Hagel. Uh, started working for him, um, worked continuously for him until he retired uh, in January of 09. Um, I uh, helped the transition with Senator Johans. And then I uh, left, uh, did a few things, um, worked for uh, uh, five years for uh, Congressman Fortenberry, uh, decided to run for uh, the county board, um, served one term on that board. Um, the last uh, four years, I've been at the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Um, and then just recently, uh, yeah, the governor, Pillen, appointed me to be the new Lancaster County Election Commissioner. Awesome. So, so I've... I've been around a while, um, had different roles uh, in the community. I was going to so. say, you're, you're definitely not a stranger to public service in Lancaster County. No, I'm uh, not a stranger to government. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I've got experience at the federal level. Um, I've also served one year as a legislative aide in the legislature, so I've got some state experience. I've got a lot of experience at the local level. And so, yeah, so I've um, um, been around for, for a while. What is it for you about about public service that kind of led you into this line of work? Yeah, it, it was not something that I intended to do when I started um, uh, my college career. Um, I kind of stumbled onto um, public service through an internship program. Uh, my degree is actually, I'm, I'm a, I have a bachelor's of science in business administration uh, with an emphasis in accounting. So technically, I'm an accountant by education, but um, yeah, I just became uh, involved, um, introduced to public service through an internship program at uh, University of Nebraska Kearney. Um, that was an internship for Senator Hagel. Um, was inspired by his service and others like him, um, who decided that their career would be to improve the lives of of everyday public um, at the federal, state, and local level. And so that kind of inspired me. Um, that's kind of how I got my start, and that's kind of uh, the path I've taken. So so uh, when we're talking about the, the election commission, was there something in particular about that job that interested you in, in this line of work that you're doing now? Yeah, um, I was familiar with my predecessor. Um, when I first moved to Lincoln, 
um, Dave Shively was still working for Congress and B-Rider. So I, I worked with Dave before he was appointed election commissioner. So, and we've been friends for the last 23 years. Um, and so I worked closely with him, obviously having run for office myself. Um, I, you know, had interaction with Dave in that process. Um, then when I was a county uh, board member, I, I worked with Dave, making sure that our county elections were funded appropriately. Um, and so I've, I've always um, been very interested um, in elections. I think it's really important that um, they're one of the uh, foundations of our democracy. So I've always been interested in elections. Um, even, um, you know, when I wasn't involved, you know, I still, you know, paid attention um, to results, making sure that, uh, you know, that everything ran smoothly. And so when um, Dave announced last fall that he was retiring, um, you know, I, I thought that it might be something I would want to do. Um, I talked to my family, talked to um, some friends, and, you know, definitely given my background, I thought that my skill set would be very helpful in, in uh, administering our elections here in Lancaster County. Well, we just appreciate you kind of sharing a little bit of insight with yeah. with us, with our listeners. And I, I think there may be some people out there who aren't completely familiar with county government that may not know what the election commissioner or, or the election commission does. Yeah. So what what is your role and, and how does that work? Yeah, well, in Lancaster County, um, in Douglas and Sarpy County in Nebraska, we have three counties where our election commissioners are actually appointed by the governor. And their responsibility is to uh, be the administrative officer overseeing the uh, uh, elections for the county um, with the oversight of the Secretary of State. Um, and that's by state law. And so um, our primary role is to make sure that any election, whether it be our statewide or presidential elections, down to our municipal elections, even our special elections for um, bond levy overrides, you know, or anything to do with elections um, in the county are my responsibility. So in the, the counties that don't have that appointment, how is, is there someone that oversees yeah. those elections or how does that work? Yeah, in those other, those smaller counties, it's uh, your county clerk. Okay. Um, and so uh, they're the ones that who are responsible for elections. But in you know, Lancaster, and they call them the big three, Sarpy and Douglas, um, it's a separate office and it, the official is appointed by the governor. Okay. Well, it's, it, it sounds like a big job in itself, and so it's certainly something that you don't do all by yourself. So no. how, many, how many folks do you have working for you over there? Yeah, we have a permanent staff of eight okay. um, that they are um, always there, um, even when we're not in an election season. Um, we have an additional um, 12 who are um, temporary. Um, they work when we have elections. Um, and so, and then we also have um, on the day of election, uh, you know, we have election boards in almost 200 precincts across the county. And those boards range from three to five people. So, I mean, it's one of those where, uh, yeah, downtime, we have eight people, you know, in, uh, you know, high traffic times, we have almost 20. And then, yeah, on election days, when we have poll locations, 
we have several hundred. Sure. So a, a, a seasonal rotation it kind of follows the elections, the, yeah. the cycle, I'm guessing. Yeah. And it, we're also unique in Lancaster County. Um, we always have elections at least two every year. Okay. Um, you know, in the even numbered years is when we have the primary and general elections for um, the statewide and for the presidential elections. So in 22 and 24, um, coming up in 24, we'll have a presidential primary in May of next year, and then a general election in November of next year. Um, in the odd number of years, we always have our city elections. We have a primary and general election. Um, they're not as far uh, spread out as they are in the even numbered years. Um, so like right now, um, on um, Tuesday, we'll have our city primary election. Um, four weeks later, um, on Tuesday, May 2nd, we'll have our city's general election. And so um, we always have at least two elections in Lancaster County. Two, I would say major elections. So, Sheriff, as somebody that's run for office and, and in office as an elected official now, how does that, what does that process look like as a, as a candidate? Do you have a lot of interaction with the, with the election commission, or is it, is it just at certain times during your candidacy? Well, there's a number of different phases. Elected officials have to file paperwork with the Accountability Disclosure Commission. The election commission has always been a great resource for what do I do here? What do, what do I need to do here to fulfill these these requirements? And so, uh, yeah, the election commissioners are a real good resource for elected officials and then reminds us of those dates that there are deadlines for filing certain documents that have to be done, and the election commissioner is very good about get, pushing that information out to candidates and making sure they know when those deadlines are so we don't run afoul of that law. And if, if I heard you right, Todd, there are, there are elections for for candidates that come normally, but then there, there are some other issues that come up um, from time to time, special elections and, yeah. and bond levies and things like that? Yeah. Um, as an example, um, a few years ago, the city of Lincoln, uh, uh, Lincoln Public Schools, um, wanted to issue bonds for um, construction of new facilities. Um, and they did so d through a special election. Um, and that was done in February of 2020. And so that was a vote by mail. So all the voters in the county got ballots. Um, and that was the only topic on the ballot was that one issue. And so that's why it was called a special election. Um, there's one coming up um, for the voters in the Raymond School District. Um, their um, school board has proposed, uh, I think, a $47.5 million bond issue to make improvements to the school um, so those general obligation bonds for um, school districts do require a, a vote of the um, public, um, but also to, I guess, to obligate that debt. But also there's, in state statute, there's some um, override opportunities. If, if uh, public bodies want to um, uh, override a, a levy lid on their um, authority, then they would it would require a vote of the people. So from time to time, there, there may be, you know, a, a special election um, for a school district or uh, some other taxing authority. Um, but um, those are, you know, maybe one or two every year. 
Um, but we have a lot of po- political subdivisions in Lancaster County that, that have the opportunity to do that. Okay. So, um, a, a question that we, we see a lot on the news and hear a lot about in the media is election security. And yep. that's why we, we brought you in to talk today because um, we work with you on election security a yep. little bit, but I know it's a question that's on a lot of people's minds of, you know, are there, is it like I hear on some of the national media or, or are there certain procedures that we have in place in, in Nebraska and Lancaster County to, to keep some of our, our elections? Well, not some, but all of our elections yep. uh, secure. Yeah, that's a good question. And we do appreciate the sheriff's office. Um, it does provide us with some security at our physical office. Um, but uh, our elections are secure in Lancaster County and in the state of Nebraska. Um, there are systems in place. You know, there are really a um, couple ways in which people think about voting. And one is um, voting by mail. Um, and another one is voting um, at the polls on election day. And so um, both have very similar um, operations that support those um, opportunities. Um, We have a a voter file um, in the state of Nebraska um, that is very secure. Um, We uh, maintain it on a regular basis. Um, And so there are safeguards in place that um, do not permit individuals who aren't eligible to register to vote. they prevent them from registering to vote. And so that's one of my responsibilities is when we receive an application for a voter, um, we have the responsibility to, to verify that those individuals are eligible um, before they are um, put into the system. And then there's several um, you know, cross-checkings that go on behind the scenes um, with various departments. Um, so that's the first key is to make sure that people who are eligible to vote are in the system. And then through the process, um, you know, when we do um, administer an election, you know, we have systems in place to make sure that um, a registered voter can vote once and only once. Um, and whether that's by mail, early voting, or in person. Um, there's this myth out there that somehow the people are able to print out ballots and they would just show up. Um, that's not possible. Um, you know, like I said, we keep um, our ballots um, secured physically at our at a, a safe location. Um, and then we uh, basically track every single ballot to make sure that um, every ballot is accounted for on the day of the election. And so, um, and there's... Uh, you know, the technology has improved dramatically to make sure that the ballots are secure. So they, it's very difficult to counterfeit them. Um, it's not something where you can just go out and make copies. And um, it's it's got to be the right um, type of paper, the right type of ink. It's just like currency. It's, it's very secure. And so we have to, um, even down to the, the weight of the paper. So Okay. Well, we actually had a meeting recently uh, with mm-hmm. with some of our command staff and, and with you from your office, and that was uh, just to to go over some, I guess, concerns um, in preparation for yep. uh, for this next election. So, what are some of the the concerns that that come on your radar on on an election day yeah. when you're preparing? Well, um, we have uh, 
for our upcoming elections, we have almost 170,000 people who would be eligible to vote. And they're going to be able to vote in almost 178 precincts throughout the city. And so just making sure that uh, those sites are secure, um, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And we, again, we appreciate the sheriff's office um, for their guidance on that. Um, and, you know, there are state laws in, um, you know, unfortunately in the past, um, there have been issues, um, not in Lancaster County, but in other parts of the country where, you know, there's been um, intimidation and other issues that come up on election day. Um, so we just, you know, one of our roles is to make sure that um, the election, the voting experience is safe. And so um, to do that, yeah, there is some planning that goes in. Um, but like I said, all that for primarily is for planning purposes. Um, most voters in Lincoln, um, you know, have a safe and, uh, you know, don't have to worry about their uh, issues at their polling place. Um, but like I said, just in case, you know, there's issues about um, poll observing um, as well as uh, what can be done uh, in and around a polling location. Um, there's some statutes about what's called electioneering um, to make sure that any campaign activity is at least 200 feet from a polling location. And so sometimes candidates forget that, and that could be construed as trying to influence the electorate, which is not a good thing. So what what might be an example of, of electioneering? Um, um, well, so if, if you're... If a candidate is on the ballot, let's say, mm -hmm. um, and uh, somebody wants to show up at their polling location wearing that person's T-shirt, that's not permittable. Um, that is, by definition, electioneering. Okay. Um, and so stuff like that happens. I mean, sure. it's, some of it's not intentional. It just happens. But then there are some people that do show up that um, at a polling location and want to put up a sign or hand out flyers or try to influence uh, the voter's intent, which is not permittable. And so, again, we, we, you know, again, that's, it happens from time to time. Um, and just, we, we need to put up safeguards to prevent that from happening. That's why there's a state law in place that prevents that type of activity within 200 feet of a polling location. So, Sheriff, Chief, what, what would you say your your position or guidance is you know to to deputies that are are working at these types of events i mean what is what is our role there is it a is it a constitutional role to um like todd is saying to provide that safe environment or what what is our what is our role there in the process well our, our role is not spelled out in statute at all <clears throat> um but i think it's uh, long ago we realized that Election days can be can be somewhat uh, emotional, maybe, and um, that we need to do what we can to help the election process go as smoothly as possible. And so we've had deputy sheriffs out of the election commissioner's office, oh gosh, for a long time, uh, fifteen or twenty years that I that I can remember. Uh, recently, we purchased a uh, a camera trailer with. Uh, Aerial boom and and uh, it was specific. One of the one of the criteria for getting the grant for that trailer was election safeguards. 
And so we deploy that trailer out there. So we were able to photograph the entire parking lot and the drop box at the election commissioner's office so that should there be any kinds of allegations of uh, fraud or abuse, we can we can review the, the camera footage and, and determine if anything uh, went awry there. Sure. Um, then, I mean, the I know we, we talk about this with, with public demonstrations and things like that a lot, that we don't really take a side on these things, but we want we want people to be able to exercise their rights. And, and even if it's not protesting, um, voting in an election is certainly a right as a U.S. citizen. And, and would you agree? Oh, most definitely. And you, you never know um, what you're preventing just because you have a uniform, uh, uniformed law enforcement officer there. Somebody may pull up who's thinking maybe they're going to do something and they see that and they go, well, I don't, I'm not going to do that now. So you don't know what you prevent but ha- by having them there. But I think people who go vote and do that and come there uh, feel a lot safer with the deputies out there. And uh, I'm glad we are out there doing that. You bet. So another topic that we hear a lot about are mail-in ballots. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that's kind of picked up popularity. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, in my limited experience, just the last, I am my sixth week, um, and looking back on trends, um, so our last mayoral election, which was the spring of 2019, um, we mailed out 16,000 ballots to early voters. Um, so far, just for this primary, we've mailed out 34,000. Wow. So we've almost doubled. Um, and I think it's, you saw in the last um, three years uh, during the pandemic, you had the 2020 elections, you had the our city elections in 2021, and then we had last year's elections. And I think people realized that voting by mail is safe and it's convenient, and they are using it more readily these days um, because um, you know they can request a ballot, um, it can be mailed to them, um, they can return it either in person or by mail. Um, and then they don't have to worry about, you know, what's going on on the day of the election, um, especially if they're working or they have other commitments. And so, and it, it's it's secure as well. I mean, it's it's secured by the U.S. Postal Service. Um, and there's, again, same safeguards, um, making sure that uh, when we mail out ballots, you know, where we track um, every single uh, request, every single ballot, um, anybody that calls the office, um, we can monitor what the status is of those uh, ballots um, all the way through um, the election day and when it gets counted. Uh, after the election, there's, again, uh, processes in place to verify the accuracy of the election. So You mentioned request a few times. Yeah. So does does everybody get a ballot mailed to them? Or no. Is, okay. So no. how how does how does that work? If I want to, if I do want to use a mail in ballot, right. what what do I have to do? So the, the state law is very clear that you need to request. Any anybody um, out there can that's registered to vote can request an early ballot by mail. Um, it has to be in writing, and it, the request has to include your name, um, your uh, signature. And it also um, must ask for the ballot, and it has to specify for what elections. And so, when we receive those, then we will 
um, mail it out. The request also has to include a mailing address about where the ballot should be mailed to. Um, if it's a, if there's not your address that you're registered to vote at, if it's a forwarding address, the that needs to be included. Okay. Um, but um, that's all it needs. There are forms out there. I mean, most of our requests are actually done by a form. Um, the Secretary of State has them on their website. We have them on our website. Um, we mail out. There's about 60,000 voters who are on our permanent uh, early vote request list who gets the a little postcard, a little yellow one, every election. Um, but they have to request a ballot. There's this myth out there that we just mail out ballots to everybody um, and multiple ballots. No, that that's false. Um, we only mail one ballot to a, a voter who requests it. Is there anything to stop someone from requesting a, a mail-in ballot but then showing up at a polling place on election day? Yes. And so we track everybody that's requested a ballot. Um, they, um, in our system, uh, we, before the election, we will print our poll books, and we will put on that poll book that voter will be listed. However, it will be listed that they voted by absentee. And the postal, or I'm sorry, the poll uh, workers will not let them vote in person okay. on election day. Yeah, and that, that's what I was wondering about. And I know people ask that question a lot, is yeah. that what keeps it, but that makes perfect sense on yep. why. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so again, um, and we, we track all that. Okay. And so I know people may show up who have requested a ballot and they say, well, I've, I've lost my ballot, um, I still want to vote. Well, they can do that. They're, they'll have to uh, fill out a provisional ballot which is a, a, a regular ballot, but it, it's a, and it takes a different path towards, you know, it's put in a different envelope, and those are not counted until after Election Day, um, and those are reviewed by a canvassing board who okay. will actually review, and we will make sure that um, that person who filled out a provisional ballot, um, before we count that ballot, we will make sure that uh, there are, ballot that was mailed to them was not returned have, have you guys ever used a mail-in I, I i use it all the time you do a, a number of years ago i started you know doing having conflicts on election day and i didn't want to miss voting and so i requested a i was going to be out of, i knew i was going to be out of town so i requested a, a mail-in ballot so now i'm on the mail-in ballot list i get a, the, the, the the postcard at my house that says do you want uh, a mail-in ballot, and I say yes, mail it back, and then I'll get the ballot. It gives me a chance to review the candidates, make sure I know who they are, what where they stand on issues. It gives it gives me a better opportunity to really vote intelligently. And uh, you know, the only bad thing about voting absentee, and this is kind of, I I like the I voted sticker that the uh, the Board of Realtors gives to everybody who votes in person. I think that's a a badge of honor that I voted I voted today. And you don't get those when you vote uh, absentee, but that's the only drawback I can see of it. I never have, so I'll grab you one, and so I'll, I'll bring you one of those stickers so you can have <laughs> one and walk around. Because I've, I've always, it's kind of just been a routine and kind of a ritual on just going to the polling place and actually sitting there and doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I just always thought this is the easiest way for me to to go, and and I like that part of it. And um, 
So yeah, just two comments. One, I was the same way for years. I used to um, enjoy going to Coozer Elementary, and I would always go after work. Just you know, after almost you know seven o'clock, I'd go in and just to vote, see what number I was. Yep. But uh, one election, I almost missed out because something came up, and I, you know, it, it, I needed to. Uh, I barely made it because mm. you have to be in line by eight o'clock on election night, and so I was. I, it was too close, and so anyway, I decided that moving forward, you know, with my busy schedule, that it would be best if I voted early mm-hmm. to make sure it was. I, my vote counted, but also, unfortunately, you know, we, we discussed maybe sending out those little stickers in the uh, early vote um, by mail envelopes. But uh, the problem is sometimes those stickers come off in the envelope and then you have a whole mess, a mess. You have uh, <laughs> stickers sticking to things and tearing things. And the thing about those ballots is, is that they're very sensitive. So you really don't want. Mm. anything Mm -hmm. in that envelope that you don't need. No food, no drink. (laughs) No food, no drink. uh, No other materials. Like I said, those, uh, again, anything that gets in those are, can be problematic. So how many of those votes that, um, where they say, Hey, I I lost mine. I didn't vote. How, how many in last year's election, how many were there of those types? Um, well, the people that show up and cast provisional ballots, um, there are usually a, a few hundred, um, but there's other reasons why they might be voting provisionally. Um, the law allows for um, a lot of times people, and you know this because you're in law enforcement, people have moved in Lancaster County and they just uh, never got their, uh, their address updated on their driver's license. Mm. The same issue, they moved within Lancaster County and they didn't uh, – register to vote at their new address. Um, so the, the law does allow those people who just move within the county to um, show up at their new polling location and um, vote provisionally. And those are only if they uh, move within the boundaries of the county. Um, people that move from out of state or the other 92 counties are not permitted to do that. But again, if you're moving in the side of the county, Nebraska law does allow you to cast a provisional ballot. But again, those are counted afterwards. Right. They're reviewed by a board that actually will look at their original. Where were they registered to vote before? Yeah, they did move, you know, whether it be down the street, mm. a few blocks or across town or, you know, that that's verified. And then, then those votes are counted. Because it would be illegal for somebody to move from one precinct to another and then go to their old precinct to vote, that's right. illegal. Well, yeah, it's not permissible. And right. so it, you have to vote in the precinct where you, you are, reside. where you reside. Mm-hmm. And so you can't go to the polling location where you used to live. You have to go to the polling place where you now live. Okay. And so, and, you know, I think the provisional ballots became pretty apparent last election um, in one of the county races where, there were a number of provisional ballots out and it took four or five days you know, and that race was very, very close right. and that mathematically could have changed yeah. the, the outcome. Yeah, it, it's possible depending on what the race is. 
But what happens is, is that again, those extra days are needed to make sure that all the poll books we are, are checked in. Everybody that voted um, the day of, you know, we verify that that they've. Those are the people that when they when they cast those ballots, you know, those are the the ballots, and they and they. What we do is we, then we will make sure that nobody that casted a provisional ballot voted on election day. And that, again, that's, those are, and you know, people complain about the delay in counting those provisional ballots, but again, it's a system to make sure that um, it's a security measure to make sure that there's uh, only one ballot cast per person. And everybody's so concerned that the, their secure elections, right. they should understand taking some time yeah. and doing that part. Yeah. And, 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 I, and there's really no way to speed that process up, just again, just because uh, the safeguards that are built in, um, they just take time. They take a few days. But so the elections are usually um, on Tuesday. Um, the ones for the city and for the state are on Tuesday. So usually those ballots, you know, hopefully are reserved, resolved by the Friday of that week. Rarely does it have to go into the next week, but um, all the canvassing and everything has to be certified um, in a matter of days. And so, and then what sometimes happens is whenever all the votes get counted, you end up having to go to an automatic recount mm -hmm. um, when the, by law, when the races are, uh, when there's a 1% deviation from the top vote getter, um, then uh, uh, automatic recount may be um, triggered and that just delays the process a little bit more but yeah I think the important thing for people to remember uh, is that just because a request for an early ballot gets mailed to a house there may be, that may be the last known address for a number of people right. and and so a number of those requests may go to the same address but only the person who actually lives there is going to get the ballot and mail it back in just because you get the yeah. Just because you get the postcard asking if you want a ballot doesn't mean you're going to get one. Right. So that's a great point, Sheriff Wagner. So when we mail those out, those postcards, um, state law only allows us to remove a, a, a voter from the voter file or the voter rolls for three reasons. Um, one is if they die. So we monitor death notices. Another one is if they move um, to another uh a jurisdiction, and so we will monitor uh, voter registrations and uh, driver's license applications in other jurisdictions. And then the third way is if they actually request to be removed from the voter roll. And so we, from time to time, get voters who say, "You know, take me off. I don't. I don't want to vote anymore." Those are the only three ways. So yeah, when people are moving and they move a lot, um, unless they notify us, it's very difficult for us to. To know, I mean, we, we do um, uh, have resources out there that help us. Um, there's the change of address database through the Postal Service that does provide us some help. But yeah, so we, we mail those notices out. A lot of them get returned because they are not deliverable because the people don't live there anymore. You know, by law, after a few of those mailings that get returned, yeah, then we can um, determine those voters are inactive. Um, but when people do um, request a ballot, again, as I mentioned, they have to request the 
ballot, it has to be signed. Um, and so we do have a verification process in the office. Every, every application um, is verified um, by you know a, a document that they've signed. Todd, another hot button issue. Yeah. Do I have to show an ID to yeah. vote in Nebraska? Uh, not yet. Okay. That's a great question, um, Captain Vic. Um, last November, uh, Nebraska voters did approve a constitutional amendment um, that would require um, photographic identification to be presented um, to vote. Um, however, it, uh, that language of that uh, initiative uh, left the um, responsibility of prescribing how to do that to the legislature. Um, as of today, the legislature has not um, adopted any legislation that authorizes election officials to require a voter identification to vote. Um, there are a number of bills that have been introduced in the appropriate committee. Um, I know the legislature, um, I've heard the speaker say several times, Speaker Arch, talk about the importance that um, passing the voter ID legislation is a priority for the um, this body. Um, but as of again, right now, we don't have that. So um, we are operating these elections um, under the pre-existing state law. It's in flux a little bit for the time being. Um, for now, um, okay. I think in the future, I don't know if it'll be by 2024, but sometime in the future, um, voters will have to present some type of voter identification. They just don't have to do it for their city elections um, uh, this week or in May. So just in summary, should citizens in Lancaster County be worried about their election security here? No, I, the our elections are very secure here in Lancaster County and in Nebraska. We're very fortunate. Um, we have a lot of good government, uh, governance uh, in Nebraska. Um, and so our elections are very secure. Um, uh, you know, we've never had issues. Um, that's not to say we, we may not have them in the future, but um, no, I mean, Lincoln voters um, should feel safe um, voting in our city elections in the next several weeks. Well, we're certainly happy to do our part to help uh, with that. Uh, we, we talked a little, little bit about what our, what our role in that process is. So, Sheriff, how, how long have we, we, we've had a history of helping other county agencies other oh, than the election commission? Absolutely. I mean, we provide security for uh, the clerk and the assessor's office when they do uh, real estate valuation protests. Um, we, we do the same thing for, uh, you know, the county board, security for the county board, and they have their meetings. And so there's a, a number of agencies that we will assist when, when uh, special need arises. Sure. And, yeah, I mean, I, I remember working, you know, some time at the, the county health department right. um, for uh, various clinics way before COVID. Um, and, and the courts kind of go... Um, that's a little bit more of a statutory responsibility, right. but but certainly we help secure the county and district courts. And I, I think, Ben, I mean, would you say, I mean, we just, our, our role, I think, as I view it, is we want to provide a safe, secure environment for people to be able to exercise their rights and go about their, their business with the government. Correct. And there's some people that have it in their mind that they want to interfere with people's rights. And that's where I think 
we come in and make sure that that does not occur, like I said earlier. So I think it's important on that. And we want people to feel like that they can come to uh, our county facilities and be safe. We're certainly here not to intimidate or anything like that. We're just make sure everybody is able to uh, get what they need and do what they need, you know, for themselves. So this is your first, this is your first election um, as election commissioner, but what, what are some of the things that, that deputies do at, uh, at your office? Are you, do you have any specific plans or, or needs on election day? Well, um, just having the presence, I think, is helpful because at their central office, that's where we count all the ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, there are people out there who may want to disrupt that process. And so um, the staff at the office um, provide some uh, security, um, I think, provide some deterrence to individuals um, who are trying to disrupt um, the process. Um, but also just um, observing just like I said, to make sure that um, there's a lot of, let's say, traffic, anybody that's been out there, um, a lot of activity that goes on out there, um, a lot of people driving through the parking lot, um, dropping off supplies. So just having an orderly um, flow of traffic is also really helpful. Certainly, certainly. Well, we're, we're happy to happy to help do that. We've, you've answered a ton of questions today. It's yeah. very interesting information uh, for those of us that don't live in the election world every day. Um, but like you said, these these are regular things that happen, that come up, and people need information. Where can they go if they have questions about elections in Lancaster County? Yeah, I mean, the two easiest ways, obviously, we have a telephone number. Um, they can reach me. Uh, that number is area code 402-441-7311. But we also have our website. It's www.lancaster.ne.gov backward slash election. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, so anybody out there that has any questions, um, have those two resources. Any other other thoughts? No, I just remind people um, that our primary election is um, tomorrow. It's Tuesday, uh, May 4th. The polls will be open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and the ballots, if you do have one of those early vote ballots, um, they need to be dropped off um, in, in the uh, parking lot uh, mailbox by 8 o'clock as well. Um, don't put those in the mail because um, it's not one of those postmark. It's, it has to be in the office by 8 o'clock tomorrow. It's not May 4th. It's April 4th. I'm sorry. April, <laughs> yeah, April 4th, April 4th is and May 2nd. <laughs> April 4th is the primary. May 2nd is the general. Oh, one more quick question. How, yeah. many, how many people do you think, what percentage of voters are you going to get this year? Have um, you done any work on that? Yeah, um, I'm estimating uh, 35%. I think um, yeah, 35 would be a good number. It always amazes me. It's always so low. You know, it's such yeah. an important thing yeah. to do. And people complain about, uh, you know, they're complaining about the voting process, and then they don't vote. And so, um, you know, get, getting the vote out is as an elected official, that's one of the more challenging things is to encourage people to vote on election day, whether it's by absentee or in person, they need to make, they need to make their vote count. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like I said, it's, it's really hard to complain about what you don't like if you don't get out there and and use your voice. And yes. Okay. Well said. 
Well, Todd, we just want to thank you for coming on today and spending some time with us. Very interesting information, some of which uh, is is very relevant in the near future. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, Captain Vic. Thank you. Take care. We'll be right back. If you want a challenging career, a career where you can make a difference in your life, your family's life, and the lives of those in your community, come and join the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. To learn more or to apply, visit us online at www.joinlso.com. We are back for our mailbag segment on the 902 podcast, and we would certainly encourage people to submit questions to us online. You can reach us via email by sending an email to lso at lancaster.ne.gov. You can also interact with us on social media at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or even on YouTube. Feel free to send us a question, and we may be able to answer it for you. Sheriff, there is a question that, that we've gotten I guess a, a few times um, recently, but but we, we received this question a lot a lot of different ways, but it references the idea of a a constitutional sheriff, and people bring this up when it comes to COVID restrictions, um, guns, even we're, you know we're talking about election security today, and people have talked about your your oath or your duty. Mm-hmm. Are you a constitutional sheriff? You know. So when that question has been posed to me a number of times, so I thought, hmm, not sure. So I looked in the Nebraska Constitution, and the and the office of sheriff is not established in our constitution. Um, it all it says is that the counties may create those elected officials or those elected positions necessary to uh, provide services to their constituents. So the, the I'm sorry, it's the legislature. Can establish those positions, and that's what they've done. There are some states where sheriffs, uh, along with another a number of other elected officials, are are spelled out in their state constitution. So, in my mind, those are constitutional sheriffs. I am not. Um, then, um, when I got to looking at, there's a organization called the. Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Uh, it's headed by a retired uh, one-term sheriff out of Arizona, and they are trying to recruit sheriffs and chiefs of police to uh, to be constitutional sheriffs. And then under their definition, um, constitutional sheriffs believe that sheriffs are the highest government authority in the county and that they have the power and duty to defy or disregard any laws that they deem unconstitutional. And and that's those three words that they deem unconstitutional are, are, are concerning to me and it should be concerning to everybody. Um, we, we are not giving the authority we're not given the authority to disregard laws that we don't feel are constitutional. There are there are ways to object to laws and to pursue uh, a ruling to determine whether they're constitutional or not, but just not enforcing them is not one of those avenues. And so, um, you know, immigration, gun control, uh, medical mandates uh, that we saw in COVID, um, th- most of those things are established in state law, and, and we just don't have the 
you know, we've taken a we've taken an oath to uphold the Constitution of the, of the state of Nebraska and the United States of America, and we it doesn't say if you like that law or not. It just says we're going to uphold uh, the laws of the state and and the Constitution of the state and nation, and um, without reservation. So it's not our duty to make the laws; it's uh, or interpret them. It's our duty to enforce what the lawmakers pass. Does that sound? I think, yeah, that's that's perfect on that part of it because that's what they are beginning to ask you to do. They want you to just ignore it yep. or, you know, they've thought with the COVID mandates and that that you have a lot more power of being able to go in there and override them, and that power isn't yours. It's in the health departments. Yeah, the, the Nebraska legislature has given <clears throat> health departments that authority, and they um, they exercise that authority at, uh, during the, the COVID uh pandemic so um and it, and it looks like some of the uh sovereign citizen movements with uh some of the ideological similarities as far as they don't feel that the internal revenue code is constitutional they don't figure feel some of the government regulations like motor vehicle license plates and taxes and driver's license are constitutional and so they won't do it and um so uh, they are they are encouraging people to vet their sheriff, and encourage them to become constitutional sheriffs, and that's just not it's just not going to happen in Lancaster County. And, and like you said, in in Nebraska, although it may be different in other states, it's it's not in the Nebraska Constitution as far as the office of of sheriff. That's correct. It's uh, it lies with the legislature, and so uh, you know the legislature has on occasion had proposals to eliminate elected officials in counties um you know there's only one elected official in cities and that's usually the mayor and the city council but none of the none of the department heads are elected um and that's that would be the same sort of situation if the legislature eliminated county elected officials then the county board would elect people to do those jobs Well, like we said at the beginning, appreciate you answering uh, that question. If people have additional questions, they can send them to you directly. We'll answer them on the air if we can. And you can send those questions to lso at lancaster.ne.gov via email or reach us on social media, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Come find us and we'll try and get an answer to your question in a future episode. That is all the time that we have for today. We appreciate everyone listening in. Thank you again, Sheriff Wagner. Chief Deputy Houchin for being here today, and we'll see everyone next time on another episode of the 902 Podcast.